Hey, patrons, it's Scoots. I just wanted to, to say hi and thank you and let you know a little see, Like, I don't know how many people eat at sushi restaurants, but I was so smitten at the last time I ate at a sushi restaurant that I bought a, like one of those split sushi cur- sushi restaurant style curtains from my kitchen. But it was like a moon scene. So there's a little secret about secrets about Scoots uh, brought to you for patrons by patrons. Let's get on with the show. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to do is try to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's been keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, uh, feelings, like uh, any of that stuff, like th- thinking... Uh, physical sensations, emotions, whatever's keeping you awake. It could be some of that stuff. It could be travel, events, whatever it is. I'd like to take your mind off whatever's keeping you awake. And the safe place is going to be one. I'm glad you're here, and I try to make you feel as welcome and as warm and as cozy as I can. And the ways I do that, the method of my madness, uh, the madness, I don't know which came first. You know, they say that with the chicken or the egg. I guess in my case it was the madness. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, it was. It wasn't the method, but uh, you know I've methodized my madness. There you go, another book title. I don't know, five hundred episodes uh, plus and five hundred book titles plus, methodizing my madness. The scooter system. I think we just got to like I, I don't know. I was it wasn't tonight's a trending Twitter Tuesday episode anyway, so that's tonight's episode. So sometimes that happens with the. Uh, um, sorry about the whistling there. Just uh, there, uh, I'm going to point out like I'm a little bit uh, off my game anyway. But let me c- catch these new listeners in. What did I say it was the scooter system methodizing my madness? Okay, that's tonight's episode. Hopefully, uh, where were we? So if you're new here, here's a couple of things you need to know. I'm going to send my voice across the deep dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders. Uh, you know, just, just talking about a lot of stuff and tangents, uh, me- pointless meanders. I said that already. Repetition, totally intentional repetition, 100% re- 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 intentional repetition with repetitive phrases. That's 100% intentionally repetitive, not by accident or brain short-circuiting. Though also there's brain short-circuiting and repetition that's intentional. Also, uh, humor-like puns or pun-like humor. That's neither, 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 nor. <laughs> Laughing at bad jokes. I try to get that out of the way. In the so, but okay, if you're new here, here's the structure of the show. Uh, top of the show, about five minutes of business. That's how we pay the bills, keep the episodes free, keep our giant archives free, so that you can go all the way back in the archives. Or you could listen all night long. Uh, so that's how we do that. And then uh, we have an intro. I think we're about uh, three. We're only three minutes into it. It's felt like about 25 minutes. Uh, but we're, in, we're, we're intros are usually about 12 minutes or so. That's a rambling, methodized, you know, where I repeat myself uh, and try to describe what the podcast is, try to set up my qualifications, what to put you to sleep. Uh, which I think I've demonstrated over the past three minutes, also attempts to make you feel welcome. 
So we do that, and then there'll be the episode proper. It'll be about 40, 45, 50 minutes, and then some thank yous at the end. And so the episodes are an hour, and there's not a lot. If you're, this is your first episode, here's the things you may or may not need to know. It's a podcast you don't really have to listen to. You can kind of listen. You can barely listen, or you could just have it on. I think that's it. Well, I just have it on in the background. And then you drift off to sleep at your leisure. Ideally, I could keep you company as you cross over the threshold from wake to sleep or, you know, drift over it. Or you could go around it. You know, I'll be here. So if you want to go around it or go under it, uh, through it, you know, past it, you know, you just sleep on the other side. I'm not into I'm not into those. I'm not into threshold crossing. I'll sleep on your side. I said, well, I got a warm fire here. It's uh, like, uh, my, you know, just my, it's, well, it's hot air. It's not actually, it's a warm, hot air coming out my mouth and my creaky dulcet tones. So you don't need to listen, but in this is, a, so it's a podcast that you don't need to listen to. And it's a sleep podcast you don't need to fall asleep to. I'll be here an hour to keep you company and you can fall asleep whenever you want. I do make this show uh, complete, uh, like, and I put a lot of work into it and I'm here because I'm, and I'm here all the way to the end. You know, for those people that, that that just need companionship in the deep, dark night, that need a, a friend, I'll be here uh, to keep you company, uh, to take your mind off stuff and, and to, to demonstrate my, uh, well, I said, like I said, so so that's the structure. If you're, if you're new here or if you've been around a while, you'll, you'll say, Scoots, weren't you going to say you're, you're off your game? And I say, yeah, like, so it's Sunday when I'm recording this. And I had, I, I literally like, I uh, spent a long time at the laundromat and uh, then I got home and I was uh, like, I was like, okay, I got to record an episode. I had set a time so that like, procrastination wouldn't get in the way. And then it was weird to like, even though the time was coming, like I was procrastinating anyway. And I said, okay. And it's also feeling a little bit tired. And it was the late, it was 3.30 was the time I was going to start recording at. And I said, well... Uh, like I said, maybe I need to like some iced tea to, uh, you know, sharpen me up, get my, you know, get my creaky dulcets going so I can be there 100% for the listeners, uh, to fall asleep to. And I was going to drink the iced tea, but I had procrastinated so long that I was like, well, maybe I'll drink the iced tea while I'm recording. Now, n- I never do that. Like, uh, normally 100% of the time. I have the same drink when I'm recording the podcast and the only, well, there's, there's two drinks I have, but they're the same thing. You think I've talked about this, but I don't know if I have. I drink uh, coconut water from Trader Joe's and Trader Joe's has two brand store brand uh, coconut waters, regular coconut water, and then one with aloe. And this is how, uh, you know, uh, what do you call that? Neurotic I am. I'll buy so I buy each one and then I just switch each time. I don't know. I don't know if I don't want to develop a resistance or, or what. But that's just like a like a. I guess you could say it's an OCD type thing that I do, and I drink that every time because I'm convinced that uh, not because I like the taste. Trader Joe's coconut. Both of them are a little light on the coconut flavor. If I was drinking it for pleasure, I like a like a like a good hit of coconut. Like I want to feel like I'm like. A, you know, drinking uh, like it's spiked with uh, sunscreen or something. You know, I want it to taste like summer sunscreen smells. But Trader Joe's one, I, I convinced it lowers my mouth noises. Uh, 
which is very, very important when you're making a sleep podcast. Uh, there's one part of my brain that's just always listening as we record, and I'm doing great. I'm doing great on that. So the iced tea, I put a lot of honey in there. Well, okay, I guess I, I'm talking about this. I might as well keep talking. So I like to have either one of those. I usually like it at room temperature, but I can't drink a whole box of uh, coconut water. So, like, if it, if it's a Sunday, like, sometimes I'll do a double session on Sunday. So I'll drink half of it, and then I'll put it in the fridge, and then the, the, the second recording session at night, it'll be cold. And that's not a big deal. I think it's, like, uh, most effective at room temperature. With this iced tea seems to be doing fine. I feel a little dry, but I'm not hearing the dryness in my voice or my mouth. Uh, but I also, so I designed it like a, I, I tried to Google this. It didn't work. I said, can you make simple syrup with honey? And then all these other recipes came up. And I said, well, I don't want to think about this. And then I think part of my brain was like, well, isn't honey viscous? And I said, it's too viscous, actually, brain. I said, I need a lower like uh, viscosity on my honey to put it in my iced tea. And I'd also like to get some ginger and lemon in there. So I'd like to make a, like a simple syrup that way. But then they, they, those kind of things, they also, like, I'm not an artisan cocktailian or whatever, uh, whatever, whatever those are called, uh, mixologist. That kind of stuff seems like a, like a, what do you, bespoke, like, a bespoke a simple syrup maker. Uh, that's a lot of work. But I wanted some ginger and some uh, lemon in my honey, too. And low viscosity. Yeah, I'm a demanding first world problem, however, you know. But so I did my I did my own design, which was like I just used uh, the season like ground ginger seasoning, you know, like whatever it's freeze dried, and then I squeezed lemon into it once it had cooled back down. And it's pretty good. It doesn't have quite the ginger kick I'm looking for, so I'll figure that out. Um, and that's usually what I drink at work uh, from like 10 to 2 so that I have enough caffeine to get through the day is iced tea. with that. that no, normally, I don't do that when I'm recording a podcast, but today's an exception. So, so I, I guess I was like uh, thinking I'm off my game, but I'm not really like it's almost like when you put your socks inside out and then you're like, you know what, forget it. Uh, I'll just wear them inside. I did that this week, too. I mean, I guess they were both inside out. So I said, what the heck? It's, it's not going to make a difference, really. They're clean socks. And uh, they said, what do I care? Um, but then you go through the day and then you notice you're doing, you're a little bit off. Uh, and you say, is this, uh, what is it called when you're, uh, was some kind of thing where you're creating conclusions based on a false assumption or something? Okay, no one answered that, and within my brain at least. Most of my brain is still at the science march, uh, or, or against a march, scientists march against the scoots. Oh, the, okay, never mind, they're having a march against me. But anyway, the, the, um, oh, the scientists, never I can't get into scientists that are trying to study my brain within my brain. I think they've shrunken down and gotten in there, though. But anyway, so that's what I drink during the podcast, uh, or that's, so tonight I'll be drinking iced tea. I don't know if that, I don't think it'll affect the, the podcast very much. Um, but, but I do like, I do like, uh, normally that's what I'm drinking. Like I used to, I like to have, uh, 25% of a green apple. Uh, then I had like, so I eat that just in case I've never shared this or you never heard it. This is my method before I start recording. 
First, I start carrying everything in the climbing closet because it usually takes two trips because I'll need, like, you know, I got to get everything started. Then I need my SD card. Then I need whatever notes. I usually need, like, some sort of connected device that's not my phone because my phone sends interference. So a way to check stuff, like I got an old iPad or a laptop. Uh, then like whatever handwritten notes then I usually forget and I forget to go to the bathroom. Then I forget that I didn't do the, my process, which is to have a 25% of an apple. Uh, so like I cut it that way it lasts me for recording sessions. Very, very efficient, cost effective. So I eat that. Then I have a cough drop. Then I have my drink. Then I come in here. Ideally by the time I'm in the climbing closet, the, the cough drop's gone. So then I have another cough drop because I have a jar of cough drops in the climbing closet. And this is where it can get tricky, because I'm a very time-sensitive person. You say, you make a sleep podcast, because huh? there's nothing chill. I say, yeah, they got to stay chill to be chill. You know what I'm saying? So then I have a second um, uh, cough drop while I'm prepping. So I'll start up the recorder. I'll start up the backup battery. I'll check to start checking the sound. And then ideally, like right when I'm ready to do the thank yous, that's the first thing I do to warm up my voice is uh, thank some people. That's, that goes at the end of the podcast, but I do that first. You know, it warms up my voice, lets me know that there's real wonderful people listening to this podcast and I'm putting to sleep or attempting to. Ideally, the, the cough drop is melted by time, I, but sometimes and then I can get a little irritated that the cough drop hasn't melted and then I do the thank you. So that's how I get, that's how, there, there you go. That's uh, the, the scooter diet, the scooter podcast, uh, quiet mouth diet. It's not really a diet. It's a, did I say there's a method, there's a madness in my method or whatever? Uh, methodizing my madness. I guess I just did that. Uh, but I got an idea for tonight's episode about that. So, uh, yeah, that's it. I guess I'm glad you're here. This is a podcast to take your mind off your stuff. If you're new here, clearly this podcast doesn't work for everybody. It's not for everybody. But I would say if you're having trouble getting to sleep, give it a few few tries. Because uh, like uh, 70, 80% of listeners came to this podcast skeptical. Why wouldn't you? There's tons of stuff they say they're going to help you fall asleep. It doesn't work. And so why would a strange podcast switch you to sleep? But, but give it a few tries. Like, uh, you know, I, my humor, my voice, me, I'm not for everybody. But I make this show because I care, because I've been there sleepless. Uh, so give a few tries, because you deserve a good night's sleep. If this podcast doesn't work for you, you could always reach out to me. I try to help you, like, with some stuff that I've used on LibriVox or Old Time Radio and stuff like that. Uh, but mostly, I want to say to everybody, like I said, that's why I do the thank yous first, because I know you're out there looking at the ceiling or whatever. And, uh, you know, putting the pillow over your head, you know, moving the pillow, put it under your leg. Like, believe me, I've had, I've had a couple, I've, I'm going, I'm going through it right now. So I know how you feel. And that's why I make the show. Cause it, cause it, I want you to fall asleep. I want you to not dread bedtime. You know, if I can, no, no, no shoulds in here. But what I do say every episode and what I do mean deeply is I'm glad you're here. And I really hope I work really hard and I yearn to help you fall asleep. And thank you so much for coming by.
Uh, hey, everybody. So this is a trending Twitter Tuesday. I got this trends on Twitter fired up here. It actually has trends for me. Um, so I guess I'll use these. I, I don't know if I've seen this before. It's been a while since I've used the Twitter app on my phone uh, for this, uh, but I took a picture of it. And tonight is a, like actually like a special, like this is a series, not really series. This is something we've done in the past is uh, I turn it over the podcast. There's like a lot of, uh, you know, as I've tried to figure out ways to, to at least have the podcast break even when labor comes into it, that's been tough. So I've tried to figure out other partnerships. And uh, one of them is the, the uh, seminar circuit circuit. Of course, Seminars Weekly said that I created the Seminar Circus. Uh, Scoots in his Seminar Circus. And that's why I usually hire more serious people to do it. Um, but this is a new seminar. Like, I think, the, like, see, I can't remember what seminar. Also, I can't remember what seminars we've done before other than Bore, bore to Win. And then I think there was one, but that was like a backstory. Uh, about that crying cave one. I think that was supposed to be a seminar, but this is, uh, like, uh, I think this is Randolph Forsyth is this person's. So, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Randolph Forsyth. And this is an upcoming seminar that you'll be able to, um, listen to free now, but purchase, uh, oh no. Okay. Like, uh, how come like, I don't have a team, but Randolph has a team of people coming in here now poking, Okay, this is Rand, one of Randolph's assistants. Oh, the third. Okay, so it's Randolph Forsyth the third. Okay, one second, listeners. You know that uh, I'll never be able to spell Forsyth. Forsyth, I can barely say that. I can picture it in my head. You know, it's a nice, nice name. Forsyth the third. Randolph uh, Forsyth the third. I, I do have that. Uh, doc, but no, no, no. I know I'm not into the calling people doctors. Uh, listeners, I call doctor for anything, but not on the podcast. I'm sorry. I'd have to see some sort of. Uh... Okay, well, don't. There's no reason to huff at me. This is a sleep podcast. So, oh, this is a live. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm gonna turn it over. I guess so. This is uh, like uh, something special for you. Uh, all right. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Randolph uh, Forsyth III, welcoming you uh, uh, to this uh, special audio webinar about boredom. And yes, I'm part of uh, Boredom Industries, uh, a, burgeoning, uh, a burgeoning niche uh, company providing value uh, through boredom. Boredom Industries, those are all things we're working on. That's why this webinar is for free. Now, you can also, you could, you you, you may be able to sign up uh, for our special, uh, you know, boredom life enrichment. You know, we're working on a life enrichment course, uh, and we'll have that up soon. But yes, I'm, I'm Randolph Forsyth Third, and I'm here tonight to talk to you about methodizing your boredom, uh, for success, wealth, and health. Uh, those are the, the, the pillars we strive for here at BI, Boredom Industries. Oh, excuse me. It could, no, I think it'll be better if I interview you, Randolph. Uh, okay. This was supposed to be a live webinar, though. Well, yeah, it'll still be a live web webinar. So you were talking about, uh, 
Well, happy happy Earth Day, by the way, Randolph. They, the listeners, every day's Earth Day, you know, in your heart. I do believe that is the case. I do believe that we live on the planet Earth, spaceship Earth, and that every day is Earth Day here, and that every day is a, a day to celebrate, uh, whether it's out loud or in quiet contemplation, our appreciation for the planet Earth. Well, that's that's great. I'm glad we're on the same page. Uh, I like that quiet contemplation, you know, because what I like to do is uh, look at like uh, sometimes I like to look at the fog, though. Then I forget which months the fog's the best. I guess it's the summertime. Oh, that's excellent. That's uh, I guess that's related to the Earth. I would have never thought about. It. I guess you're right. You really have me there. You really do look at the Earth that way. That's interesting. Well, that's great, Randolph. Now I've been looking over my notes here uh, that your team gave me. The notes to ask. Uh, uh, the, the, so tell me about the Roberson method of uh, methodizing uh, boredom, and how you came to be a part of the boredom industry team, and also. Um, like, uh, what's more to me? Like, do am I am, do do I have the majority stake in that? Uh, oh, well, I'm I'm happy to talk about the Robertson method of uh, methodization of boredom, and that's actually what this webinar is about. Uh, so I'm glad you got me started. Uh, uh, boredom Industries is a, as I said, we're a, we're a company. And the past, uh, walking the past and searching the past to bring boredom to people so they can bring themselves health, wealth, and happiness and uh, good health, uh, health, wealth, and happiness. Also love, we, 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 that doesn't rhyme. What about ro- romance? What about fulfillment and romance? What, what love, like uh, plutonic love or uh, which kind, which, which ones? Uh, is there any agape in there? Okay, we were, I, we were talking about the Roberson method. Uh, well, yeah, I'm just using another method to keep you. I'm going to keep you on track by keeping you off track. Well, many years ago, you know, they, they had this March for Science uh, recently. It was a wonderful showing of people showing they care about the scientific method. Uh, but there is also, uh, in addition to science, there's also myth, and there's also tall tales, and there's also fiction, and there's science that are pseudoscised, and you know, like, uh, and Dr. Roberson, many, many, many years ago, he came on a method. You see, he lived in a time. Uh, not that long ago, but long enough ago that it's unfamiliar to all of us. He lived in a time with where there was much more chrome, where the world seemed to be about to become all chrome. And things started to go from boxy uh, to rounded. And people started throwing around words like sleek and automat. And free, you know, many things. This was wish. This was the boom years, and things started moving very, very fast. And the thing they don't tell you about Chrome is it's shiny and it's heavy, and you shouldn't drop it on your foots. 
And while in our day people would march for science and they'd say, what about this or what about that or what about these things? Uh, Dr. Roberson, uh, he, he, he didn't really know how to get people marching against Chrome. He would complain about Chrome and he would complain about fast stuff and he'd say, what about the good old days? But no one wanted to hear about it. They wanted to, to have the latest inconvenience. You know, they, they said, when are we going to go to the moon? When are we going to live on the moon? Well, how soon till we have jet cars and robot waiters and maids and all those things? Okay, uh, Mr. Forsythe uh, third. Um Okay, so we have Roberson, and Roberson lives in the past in a chrome-based world. Is this planet, so this, is this, is this real? Oh, yes, this was real. It was in a time not that long ago in the United States, as a matter of fact, uh, where this was all happening. And cities began to grow, and there was lots of bustling. As I said, there was other things Things were sleek, things were bustling, but under all that, Dr. Roberson sensed a sense of, uh, of dissatisfaction. Even those with the chrome, you know, their smiles didn't shine the way the chrome did. Okay, so, so in a time not that long ago, Dr. Roberson decided that Chrome wasn't going to bring people happiness. And then Dr. Roberson did. Well, Dr. Roberson, he, he, uh, he, he, like you see, he wasn't very good at getting people to do stuff. But he knew, he said, this, this isn't going to get you. So he, uh, inspired by the comic books, he, he, he also saw the children. And first he said, these are no good. He saw, and then he was very disappointed because he saw things like X-ray glasses and rings with the power of electricity, and all. And then, but he was taken in by these superheroes. And as I said, he wanted to harken back to a time not that long before where there was less bustle and less sleekness, and you know, less velocity. And so he became El Clasico, and he donned. Okay, this does that sounds kind of I, I don't know. Like don't just barely describe it because I don't like. Uh, I mean that's like a big uh, football, soccer classic. Uh, oh yes, but even then, uh, he that that is right. Doctor Roberson did one. I think he did base it on that. You're good. You're good for size. Yeah, good. Keep re keep. I'm gonna keep redirecting you. And he wanted to be the hero of the classic things. The classic. He he wanted to bring the stuff back. And so he started a, a salon. Uh, he called it uh, the Chrome Free Salon, and he would invite artists and people of of you know. Uh, avant-garde. I don't know if avant-garde was his thing. He wouldn't have liked avant-garde, um, uh, Dr. Roberson. He, he did, he was into those, he, he started a salon, the anti-chrome salon. Okay, great. So then what happened at the anti-chrome salon? 
starting with a name change, probably. Oh, yes, so he changed it to to Sunday Fun Day. He changed it from the Anti-Chrome Salon to Sunday Fun Day. But then he didn't have anything fun for people to do there. Uh, So that didn't work. So then he talked about, uh, he changed it again to Serious Conversations about serious things. Okay, so what was that? What was that like? So he had a salon, like those are like the things where people get around and they uh, they talk about stuff and uh, and stuff like that. So he was into talking about anti-chrome, the anti-chrome movement. Well, that was more of a symbol of what he was against. But yes, uh, wait, can can I just? I'm sorry, one second, uh, Mr. Forsyth the third. So you were going to do a webinar. Like a sleep with me sponsored webinar about this it doesn't seem okay. Well, I, you, I'm not used to working with a partner on this. I was going to just give it straight from my notes. So I'm attempting to learn this new method along with you. Okay, yeah, you're doing good. You're doing good. I just didn't. So, but if it, it just because like I'm having an like I don't know what. Uh, okay, well, don't worry, young man. I'm here to help you. I'm. Uh, uh, Forsyth the third, I'm on it, uh, telling the story of Mr. Roberson, Dr. Roberson. And what Dr. Roberson would do, eventually he found his method. This was, as we're talking about, was a slow process of many failures. But Dr. Roberson's, uh, he had a light in him, a distaste for chrome and everything it represented that was so strong that he wasn't about to give up. And so eventually... He he found he couldn't really talk about things, so what he started doing was describing paintings to people. And what he found was that people started to zone out, to stop to listen, as he would just describe every inch of this painting. And afterwards, after he did this once, just out of frustration, I can't remember, you know, maybe it was too much, uh, I don't know if they were, you know, t- testing out gases or something there. Or absent, or, but, but so someone said that was the most. I never felt more relaxed. It was their first trip, uh, and they said, "What? What? Like, how? When can I come back?" Uh, and it was this very wealthy person, uh, Madeline uh, G. Green. Uh, Maddie was her name, and he said, "Well, you could you come back right away." Uh, and then he, he said, well, I'll describe these paintings with, uh, and I'll put blindfolds on people as a relaxation process. And then he felt like he had his uh, thing. So he would describe, he used particular about uh, the Dutch masters. Is Botticelli one of the Dutch masters, uh, uh, Mr. Forsyth the third? You know, you know, that's not the case, say uh, that's an Italian name. Okay, it's just like, uh, what about Vermeer? Is Vermeer a Dutch master? You're putting me on the spot. I'm not a, like, I'm trying to, do, I, I think probably, I think he probably is a Dutch master, but I'm not sure of this, the, these things. Okay, go ahead, uh, uh, Mr. Forsyth III. So uh, he would fill these rooms, uh, and once Maddie Green started coming, other people started coming. And at first, he, he decided to make it a slow thing. So they would say, well, what do you need from us? How much are you going to charge for this new relaxation? And he said, well, don't tell anyone what we do here. It's a secret. 
and he would just talk about these paintings, the brush strokes, a bit like you. Uh, it's almost uh, a different kind of boring. Well, actually, no, it's the same, but it was a little bit different. He would talk about the brush strokes. He would talk about the way the light fell. He would say things. I mean, I don't know if he said Vermeer, but that would be sound like something he would do. He'd say Vermeer, Vermeer, come near Vermeer. Vermeer, it's clear. You know, things like that over and over again. And that is when he started to methodize uh, boredom. He started to decide and he started to lay out where you would start in the painting. And I know you're a little bit more of a mishmasher, but he would lay out the exact method. He even kept track of which, and again, I don't have access to his notes because this was all a big secret. Uh, his method, the actual method of which paintings, week one, you would have this painting of the guy sitting there with that hat and his, with the mustache or whatever. And he would lay out, and he had it broken into grids. But he also had it so that the person could interpret these things. But meanwhile, the whole time, while he was designing and methodizing it, he was still carrying on these salons for free. And he, so he, he was developing a method. Okay, he said that, thank you. So, so he was, okay, let me help you here. So he was, every every Sunday, did you say it was on Sundays? Yeah, because it was Sunday fun day. He would get all these, now were these mostly rich people? Oh, yes, these were the upper crust of society. Uh, because I think, because it was secrets, they would only tell one another. And Maddie Green was very famous, and she was, I guess, a socialite. So he, so it was very, very, yes, very powerful people, uh, coming to this and, uh, like, uh, listening to him uh, describe these paintings and they were relaxing. And then he would start to offer people to rub your feet or to wash your feet or to rub your back, uh, those things, uh, hand massages. And those he would charge for because he didn't have any investment. So he, he would say, well, these are optional things, but he never made any money. So, so it was very affordable still. At the same time, he went to those the same comic books and, and, and went to the companies and showed up at these companies. Remember, he said he had bought these, uh, you know, whatever, sneezing powder. He said no one ever sneezed or whatever those things and it was a rare thing that he found where these companies were. They just happened to be based in New York, and he was based in New York. And so he would show up at there, and, you know, right away they, they were, like, very nervous because he said, well, how did you know? And he said, well, the sneezing powder, like, he would blow the sneezing powder, and he would say, you're ripping children off. You know, th this was a bit of a drama. At first, he came in with a dramatic thing so that they would feel on edge. And then he said to them, you know what, you're brilliant. And sooner or later, he didn't, I guess he didn't realize, Dr. Robeson, that it would take many decades and decades and decades. And that in reality, it was only the, I think, the internet that uh, ended up doing in the, uh, the comic book business, uh, the comic the trade of those toy, those things. I don't know if you could still get them or not, but he wanted the business people behind it. 
and he pitched them on this thing. He said, well, you're selling all this junk. He goes, but you got to make the junk. And, sell, and they said, well, he could tell by their offices that they weren't uh, billionaires. You know, they were doing okay. He said, what if you sell something you don't have to make? And he said, you know, like these, he, he pointed out to them how to build your muscles thing or how to become an artist thing. And they said, well, that only works. And he said, well, don't worry. He goes, and we're going to sell it to grownups. And they said, well, what is it? And he said, a money-making opportunity. And they said, what is it? And he said, well, it's a method. A methodized way to teach how to get people to relax in a way. And I think we could teach them. Uh, he goes, I, I have not, you, you'll have to trust me. And they, he, they, so then they worked out a business proposal. Now, there's one un, un, unspoken thing here that we'll learn about later, but it's not super important. Uh, and I guess it's, it's still, you know, there's two sides to the story, whether it was Dr. Roberson or these, these two gentlemen, uh, Mr. Paul and Mr. George, uh, that ran these uh, businesses uh, supplying the, selling the, the, the knickknacks and comic books. Uh, but so, so who came up with the idea? Originally, uh, Dr. Robeson was saying, you know, we could sell this method. I've methodized uh, talking about paintings. And he said, you know, it's basically you just talk about the paintings, and it's a very simple step-by-step thing. He goes, the key is the marketing side. Instead of, in the end, it became an idea of how to sell ideas of how to make money. Instead of the methodizing of the boredom. But that's not where our tale goes. That tale went off one way. But our tale stays at Dr. Roberson's own salon where he still each week was working out his method of doing this. I think he wanted, I, I don't understand, you know, we, I guess we could take the two tacks, either he's a brilliant marketer or Mr. Paul and Mr. George were brilliant, brilliant marketers. And I guess if if we assume, I, I don't know, I guess I'm, okay, so you, so you do seem torn. So let me take a second to put the spotlight on you, uh, uh, Mr. Forsyth III. What are you feeling torn about? Well, I feel like uh, Dr. Robeson really believed in methodizing this boredom. And I feel like there's another part of the story that's yet to be told. And I just don't want people to assume that all he cared about was selling a method uh, to sell methods. uh, Because that's not the Dr. Robeson I believe in. But at the same time, if I believe that Dr. Roberson's as brilliant as I do, I have to believe he knew what he was doing, which may, well, yes, I guess I understand. Can I, can I pat your shoulder while we talk? Yes, thank you. That's very nice. Well, um, I mean, it's under, you know, we live in a great gray world. It's hard to know that sometimes, uh. And so maybe all things could be true, or maybe how about this? We don't know exactly, but I'm enjoying your story and learning about Dr. Roberson. So why don't you keep going? We're back at the salon in New York City where Dr. Roberson is still mastering the method of, uh, what was his intent? His, but it really his intention is to get rid of Chrome, right? 
Correct, correct, young man. I, I, I know. I, I'm getting there. Like I say, I, I just find this most interesting part is that uh, it's each week after week he would take a different painting. And then he moved on to other things beyond the Dutch masters. Uh, and he learned that uh, most people liked the Dutch masters. So then he went back to the Dutch masters. And then what he did was then Sunday nights were Dutch masters nights. And then Tuesday nights uh, were uh, different, like, uh, what do you call those ones? Uh, still life nights. And then Thursday nights... I think those were abstract nights. This was just as abstract uh, was gaining a new toehold. And, and so, or whatever, I think he didn't even know. You know what I mean? So he had to, all these different, but his method still worked with all those things. Okay. If his method of just standing there talking about the art over and over, it just really just seems uh, like you're missing something, like some kind of magic that's there. Like, that it's just not a method that he's just sitting there and he's going through the painting block by block. Well, no, you, I mean, I, I'm telling the, the, the facts as they uh, appear in my notes, young man. And this is about the methodizing of the boredom. That it, I, I mean, I guess you, what I see is magic. Uh, uh, Dr. Roberson was taking each square of the painting, and he was finding a way to relay it to, to other people so that they could open up their own salons and do that. And, and, and that is what happened. It was with the, the, the backing of Paul and George uh, that these salons started to spread across the country. Now, they were uh, tro Trojan horses in a sense, uh, for the idea of uh, how Paul and George and maybe Dr. Roberson, again, I, I'm torn on if he's a part of this or not, but if it, uh, this was a way to just show the success of these salons uh, as a way to show that their method uh, of money was uh, successful uh, so they could sell that method. So it was a lot of methodization going on. But yes, so so uh, Dr. Robeson kept at it. Thank you for that uh, nonverbal cue. I picked right up on it, and I you don't even another nonverbal cue that you got me. Thank you. But so he kept at it, and it, word spread far and wide, and also the confusion that uh, every other city they were charging top dollar, and that Robeson's students. But it was still also a secret, so it wasn't. Uh, it was all by word of mouth in these social circles. And uh, so there was an allure to Dr. Roberson that no one understood. And there was also the issue of Maddie Green, for she was the wife of uh, uh, one of the faux asters, you know, one of the, like, uh, not, uh, Gerald Green uh, was her husband. And he was, a, he was famous for pretending he was an aster. And then, but then taking the money, you know, and he became very wealthy himself, uh, but also a figure of great controversy, even though he repaid the money, you know, and the Astors kept it a secret because he had been pretended. So, so there was also another piece of history we don't know a lot about, but Gerald Green was famous for being the faux Astor. But Maddie Green was also unhappy you know, that's why she was seeking out. And, and of course, if we don't, we do not know 
if Dr. Robeson and her were plutonic or agape or uh, amor, um, amor uh, eros, uh, as you said earlier. But what we, we're really here to question, young man, is uh, can you take a method like Dr. G- 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 Roberson's, a way to methodize boredom to get what you want? That is the question why everyone would be at this webinar if this was a webinar. And I believe the answer is yes, because what if we look at it objectively, yes, maybe Dr. Robeson wanted money, but really he wanted it was the end of Chrome. He was sick of Chrome and everything it represented. And so what happened from there? Well, I'll tell you what happened is that uh, Gerald Green and Maddie Green started inviting uh, Dr. Robeson over to the house because uh, Gerald Green... Uh, was getting more and more stressed from the fallout of being a faux-aster and his desire to be a real-aster. And then he, him and Dr. Roberson struck up a friendship because he, he didn't know so much relax when uh, Roberson was there doing the paintings and teaching him the method. But he was curious, too, and he said, well, what are you really, why aren't you charging these people? You're charging them in these other cities in the... And he said, well, I, I don't know. Uh, and then something very fateful happened. And, and who knows if it was fate or intention by Dr. Roberson. But they had been out in the garden walking, the two of them, and talking. And, you know, the, Gerald Green just couldn't get his head around what uh, what Roberson was about. And uh, Roberson was uh, talking excitedly about uh, talking about Dutch masters and the word Vermeer. When he bumped his leg on the, the front of a bumper of one of Gerald Green's new cars, and he, you know, he said, "Ouch, ouch, ouch!" Chrome, and he hobbled around, and he pretended his voice was damaged somehow from banging his shin on the chrome. He said, "I don't know if I'll be." You know, he did a whole voice thing. This is this is from my collected stories that I've been collecting and researching this topic. I guess it's good we're do, we're not doing a webinar about this. Uh, like, I guess it, no wonder I'm behind this boredom industries, huh? Because you really Randolph Forsythe the third really sounds like you're going to make money right away. Well, Doctor Roberson did that, so. Uh, you know, Gerald Green was very uh, upset about uh, the injury that uh, Dr. Roberson had, you know, the accident, even though it was, you know, slight. And and they were sitting there and he was wondering, what are we going to do? Your your shin is black and blue. You're saying your voice is hurt. And then Dr. Roberson said, I'll be okay. And then he was hobbling and pretending, you know, a false bravado. And it was a seed, though, that he had planted in Gerald Green's mind. And then he slowly started to unwind the salon. He said his voice wasn't right. But his friendship with Maddie Green and Gerald Green didn't dissipate. He started spending more and more time with them. But the salon slowly dissipated. And it went down to two nights a week. And it went down to one night a week. And then it stopped altogether. 
And then people, you know, then the demand for it, of course, increased. And he said, well, think about it. I'll think about it. And this is a very tight time schedule because people didn't have the Internet and all these distractions. So this was only over a few weeks. And meanwhile, he was spending a lot of time at the Greens, and Gerald Green felt very guilty. And one night at dinner, the three of them were sitting there, and Maddie Green just wasn't the same. You know, she couldn't get her boredom relaxation in, and they were talking about it, and Gerald said, well, I'm going to make it another. And then he said, isn't the irony? He goes, how much? And then they were talking about the car itself, and he said, well, how much did you pay for that car out there? They said, blah, blah, blah. And he said, that, that he goes, that bumper's going to outlast the car. And I think this, I don't know if this was a car made by the, I don't know anything about the Astors, really, to be honest. So I don't know, if, but uh, he started, Gerald Green was he, he perked up. He goes, what do you mean? And then uh, Dr. Robeson talked about the current style of chrome production because he loathed chrome so much. And apparently this chrome that they were making at the time was very high quality. It was very expensive. It was very heavy duty. And he was telling them all this. And then he just planted another seed in Judd Green's mind. He said, uh, he was, I've heard about this cheaper method of chrome production. Wouldn't last as long, but it would save the car company thousands of dollars in profit and then the bumper wouldn't outlast the car. It was actually would be targeted for dates right around. He goes, the bumper would start rusting right around the time you would want someone to buy a new car. They probably could get in. in, in uh, and his business person, Gerald Green, started putting the dots together right away. And he said, well, who else knows about this? And Jer- or, uh, Dr. Robson said, well, no, no, it's, uh, Everyone tells me news about chromes, and he goes, I don't think anyone's put it all together yet, uh, you know, because the whole idea of chrome is the future. It'll be here in the future. And Gerald Green said, well, you found a chrome that won't be here in the future. And he said, well, I, 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 he goes, I got to uh, get me. And then Dr. Roberson said, you know, they started talking about purchasing it, and Dr. he said, well, I could sell all the schools uh, to Paul and George, and this is how much cash, and it, it was a significant amount of, it wasn't, it wasn't Aster money, but it was more that he believed in Gerald Green's idea, and Gerald Green started buying up all these secondary low-level chrome businesses, I think he's electroplating, I don't know if that, I don't know anything about the differences really, but it wasn't the, it was a new way of chroming things, maybe, or maybe it was the way it was always done, and it was just cheaper ingredients. I don't know. I only know that Gerald Green changed the future of chrome forever. And it was because of the idea that Dr. Robeson had planted in his mind. And then what had happened for Dr. Robeson was suddenly he was feeling better. And as uh, the profits started to quickly pour in or, or whatever, uh, Gerald Green said, uh, Dr. Robeson, this is what I'd like to pay you, you know, on your investments. You know, he goes, you, you know, why don't I buy you out, but I'll still give you a very fair, fair deal. And Dr. Robeson was mar- immediately rich beyond his wildest dreams. And then... 
uh, Maddie G- G- Green said to Gerald, she goes, well, uh, you know, and then he said, well, okay, I get it. You two are in love. Uh, and uh, I, I, I wanted to build up to that part. That's why I put the question in your mind. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, it was a little So uh, they were in love. And then he started uh, doing way more of these underground things. But he brought it one level more underground. Because even though he had methodized things and sold his method and used his method to get what he wanted, the end of uh, high quality chrome, and that one day in the future chrome would be would would be substandard and rusty, and it wouldn't represent it would be, you know would represent the idea of the future gone sour. It brought him great joy for some reason, Doctor Robinson, strange man. But he also started to let his method go, like his method had been programmed into his mind. And I think you know where you go. I'm going with this now, young man. I think you know. He became the first uh, practitioner of the bore down. These were the first bore downs, and that's why I'm here, really. It's a surprise for you that Dr. Robeson, actually, there's no webinar. I just wanted to come and pitch you on this book, uh, Methodizing My Madness, the Dr. Robeson story, uh, History of the Father of Bore Downs. And so he was the founder of the first bore downs. I mean, you could say these salons were bore downs, but they were more a bore ins or bore salons. Yeah, quickly, as people started to, the schools, you know, quickly went out, but then there was all those other people across the country who'd been trained and all the appreciators of the salons. And these became the first uh, customers and practitioners of bore downs. Uh, both of the students of the schools who had learned uh, Dr. Robeson's method and some of the fans who had said, well, I could do this in another way with a sculpture, or I could do this while watching a bird fly and describe the bird. And as you know, it, it swept across the country and eventually the world, uh, the, uh, the idea of boring people competitively, but only as a, as a uh, you know, it doesn't, you know, I know you don't uh, do it, uh, it is demonetized, I guess. And and I don't think there's any money left in the Robeson accounts. Uh, I think he spent all this money on non-boring things when he wasn't doing the bore downs. Uh, but yes, very quickly, the, he, he became the, 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 the founder of bore downs. Uh, now, now, some would say that bore downs have always existed and they've always been there. But I think you really owe your existence uh, to Dr. Robeson. And that's why I wanted to pitch you on this book to see if you wanted to support it. I don't, I, there is no boredom industries. I don't have a team. Those are, uh, Actors I put up to it to bring me into your studio and book me. And my real name is Random Forsyth, Randall Forsyth III. But I, I, I know you're good at naming books too. So I was hoping you'd come up with a method of my madness. I heard you say that and I wrote it down. I don't know if that quite fits. Uh, do you have, so what do you think of the idea? Is, is that uh, something you're interested in? Is my proposal? So your proposal is that I record a podcast episode 
to promote your book. Is your book written? Uh, not yet, no. Uh, it's a word, but it, you know, be by appearing on this podcast, I retain all rights. Okay, are you in a fugue state right now? Oh, I may be. Okay, so then you, you, there's different rights when you're in a fugue state. Uh, if you want a free book title, it's got to have Chrome in there. Uh, Bored Chromeless. No, that actually, whoa, actually, there you go. That's the book title, Bored Chromeless. The Rise and Fall of Chrome and Dr. Dr. Roberson. Okay, we're almost there. Uh, born, what did I say? Bored Chromeless. Again, I don't know if that's a wide title, though. I like it, so it's going to be hard for me to get over. Bored Chromeless. The Rise and Fall. Oh, no, what, what if we do one of those ones like uh, like the newer history books to do? So Bored Chromeless. And this got to be something like like that. The hook comes in the uh, subtitle, Chrome uh, Dome. Okay, board Chromeless uh, Griffs. You know, it would have something like that. Griffs uh, Con Persons. No, Faux Aster. I don't know. We'll have to work on the subtitle. But board Chrome, board Chromeless. Uh, chrome, how about just Chromeless? The Fall of Chrome. Manufactured, well, I think board chrome, chromeless. Uh, I mean, you could have alternate titles like rusted, rusted chrome. I don't know. I think board chromeless. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate you coming by a studio. Um, under false pretenses is fine. That's an interesting story to learn the history of the board down. Though, you know, I know that, uh, that I don't know if that's, that's uh, is it, do you think that's really true? I do, young man. Well, I guess it could make sense. It would make sense. Uh, it would make sense because you, there's you're not allowed to wear any chrome at any board down board down. So that's been a tradition. So I guess you're correct. Uh, well, thanks for coming by. Thanks for uh, filling my audience in on that uh, interesting stuff. Really, so interesting. So so interesting. And uh, yeah, I hope uh, everyone out there gets a good night's sleep. Good night.